Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. The band REM once said, it's the end of the world as we know it, and that could not be tr more true for the world of college sports this week. But the question is, do we feel fine? Does Purdue feel fine? Where is all of the craziness headed? We're talking all about last week's bombshell news that USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten. It is as big of news as I can remember uh, in college sports. That really combined with Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC. This has become the biggest realignment story in college sports history. You know, I should have known better than to think that there would be no big news that would take up an entire episode uh, before the three-day holiday weekend. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who sent in some great questions for the show. We will answer all of those next week, uh, barring some unforeseen major breaking news again. I can't imagine that would happen, but you never know with college sports. Uh, we'll get to those next week. It's all realignment today. It is, as as I said, it's probably the biggest news in recent college sports memory. But first, before we jump in, if you don't already, give the show a follow on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. We were talking about the realignment news all week last week on Twitter after it broke for the most part. Uh, always a fun spot to engage with you all, so be sure to follow. That's at Boilers Beyond. And I did poll, you know, those of you who subscribe or excuse me, follow the show on Twitter. 43% of you, not a fan of USC and UCLA joining the big 10. That was the leading vote getter of my poll. So join the conversation there. And Hey, as I've said before, I don't think we're going to have another off week until the end of basketball season, barring anything unforeseen. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you do not miss anything because there is no shortage of stuff to talk about here in the summer. And once we get into the season, we have plenty of action to break down. But for today, yes, it's the news that everyone is talking about in sports. It's the news that is dominating the conversation right now, even beating out the NFL and NBA that tend to take over ESPN. No, it's all USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12. They will join the Big Ten for competition beginning in the fall of 2024. And as I said, you know, you combine this with what happened a year ago at SEC Media Days when Oklahoma and Texas, uh, it had been leaked to the Houston Chronicle that they were leaving for the SEC in 2025. And this was no different coming out last Thursday, I believe it was. Uh, from the San Jose Mercury News that uh, USC and UCLA are coming to the Big Ten. By the year 2025, at least 16 teams will be in both the SEC and Big Ten. And it's left the futures of the other three Power Five leagues in quite unclear position uh, where they stand moving forward. Look, this is going to be for all sports, but it's completely driven by what it means for football. Uh, this does strengthen the Big Ten for basketball. 
and probably for all sports, but this is a move completely driven by football. And it's funny to look back because it hasn't even been a year now that the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 commissioners, Kevin Warren, Jim Phillips, and George Klyovkov, hopped on a Zoom call and told the world about their little alliance that they had in response to the SEC taking Oklahoma and Texas. And George Klyovkov had said, you know, there's nothing signed. There's no official contract or binding agreement to this alliance. It's just a gentleman's agreement. And what, that lasted 11 months now? Not even that. Um, it completely was a joke. I, I never believed that there would be a game scheduled from that alliance. I guess maybe I was wrong because there will be games scheduled. Purdue will be going to Pasadena at some point for a conference game. So it did lead to more games being scheduled than I thought, but certainly not in the manner. Uh, the alliance had a lot of logical holes in it from its formation, from the announcement. It never quite made sense. And now we know that at least from the Big Ten's perspective, from the offices of Kevin Warren up in Chicago, it was a complete nothing burger. And the alliance is officially dead so now we look at this, and I remember back to pushing on a decade ago now when Jim Delaney said that you know the Big Ten needed to add Maryland and Rutgers to get in the New York and New Jersey markets. And you know, everyone's thought was, oh my goodness, I mean, that's not the Big Ten country. Now looking back on it, hey, at least they're in the same time zone as most of the Big Ten. The Big Ten now goes from the Atlantic to the Pacific with a whole lot of Big Ten West farmland in between. For USC and UCLA, this is a complete no-brainer because the Pac-12, and I guess formerly Pac-10 and formerly Pac-8, look, that's a conference that has never been in a weaker position than it is today, from a football perspective, that is. The Pac-12 network is a complete disaster. It's not available in most markets. It's not available on most TV providers. That's a complete mess. The Pac-12 has not been a strong football conference for some time now. The last time they were in the playoff was 2016, and that was a not great Washington team that got rolled over by Alabama. That game wasn't close, and that also... Not a great Bama team either. Uh, that was the Bama team that lost on the Deshaun Watson to Hunter Renfro throw at the end. They've, they have one playoff win. That came in the first ever college football playoff. And they haven't won a national title in going on two decades now. Going back to Southern Cal with Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush back in 04 when they nuked Oklahoma in the title game. So it's been a while. It's a poor time for the Pac-12. Uh, now, Southern Cal has been a huge part of that problem. But at the end of the day, they are the most powerful brand in that conference by a mile. And they weren't getting what they wanted. That league wasn't moving in a positive enough direction. So the Big Ten comes in and, swamp, and swoops and pounces to pick them up. Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's a... It's a massive financial success for the Big Ten. 
It's completely driven by the money. So that's how you have to measure the success is by what it's going to do. And we had never heard, I had talked about this on the show or time or two, we had never heard about that new TV deal that we were expecting for the Big Ten. You know, it was initially said, oh, about Memorial Day, it'll be out. Memorial Day came and by, came and went, never happened. June came and went, never happened. And on the last day of June, we found out, hey, this is why. The TV deal never was close because there were two massive brands being added to the TV deal. It's now estimated that this could push each team's revenue share from TV to over $100 million per year. That's pretty much doubling what it currently is. That is incredible. That is huge. That was a no-brainer for every single Big Ten president to vote on because of the financial implications. Now, I think Fox was very involved with this, but the Big Ten will open up TV negotiations again. I know Apple TV had said they wanted to be involved. Uh, Initially, they'd kind of bowed out. Oh, they're back now. And I can assure you, if anyone else backed out, that they're trying to get back in right now. Because this is huge. This is a valuable, valuable product. And you have to give credit where credit's due. Kevin Warren did an excellent job with this. I've not been the biggest Kevin Warren fan to this point. Now, he had a really tough start to his tenure with the COVID stuff going on and having to make decisions about the season in 2020. I don't know that he necessarily made the right decisions, but hey, you know, that's not all necessarily my choice. Um, This was a major win. You know, the Big Ten now has completely kept pace with the SEC. The SEC and Big Ten couldn't be more different philosophically sometimes, but now you're starting to see the Big Ten play the SEC's game a little bit when it comes to being power hungry. Now, There are some academic implications here. You know, USC and UCLA are both very good schools, both AAU members. The Big Ten has always touted its academic reputation far more than the SEC has. But looking at the future now, this is going to be a power two rather than a power five on the field. Uh, I don't see how some of these other conferences stay competitive at the point to be at the level of the SEC in the Big Ten. Uh, I think it's going to become a power two. The other conferences may exist. They may not. We'll get to that here briefly. But, you know, I can't imagine that realignment is done yet. I, I just can't. There are way too many dominoes out there just sitting there waiting to topple over. Both the Big Ten and the SEC are at 16, But they can go bigger. They can absolutely go bigger. And they will if they can get the right teams. For the Big Ten, it's clear as day at this point. And I'm recording this on Monday night, July 4th. Happy Independence Day to you all. 246 years of the greatest country to ever exist. But for the Big Ten, I mean, you are waiting on Notre Dame at this point. That is the biggest fish out there. There is certainly plenty history of the Big Ten 
unsuccessfully trying to lure Notre Dame into the league, get them to finally get on board. Notre Dame has always wanted a whole lot of special treatment that the Big Ten hasn't been willing to provide. But look, we're sitting here in 2022. I know independence has always been good for them. Independence has gone well. The NBC contract has been fantastic. Even now with their little scheduling agreement with the ACC, where they have to play four or five teams a year, that hasn't been an issue. Things have been good. But now that we move to what could be the Super Conference era, I don't know how how feasible that is for Notre Dame. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's completely feasible. Uh, maybe they're going to stay independent and they're going to schedule whoever they need to and they're going to be just fine. I don't know. I do know that the more these conferences expand, the more conference games are going to be played. I think everyone's going to be at nine here soon, minus the ACC. If that scheduling model even still exists, who knows what's going to happen. But I think it's going to be nine conference games. It may be 10 conference games. So the chances of Notre Dame getting big-time games, I don't know. Maybe they are big. Maybe they're not. There are a lot of unanswered questions about Notre Dame. But I do think this. If they're going to join a conference full-time, and it's not going to be the ACC where they already are a member for every sport besides uh, football, and they still have that agreement with football, it's going to be the Big Ten over the SEC. It makes far more sense from a cultural fit. Uh, I even struggle to say that it makes sense from a geographical fit because geography doesn't matter anymore. But if Notre Dame is interested, the Big Ten has to just stomp on that in a heartbeat and scoop them up because it's too big of an opportunity to miss no matter what the history has been, no matter, no matter what the bad blood is between some of the schools in the Big Ten and Notre Dame, that's the most obvious choice to keep adding. There were plenty of rumors about Oregon and Washington early on. And look, if the goal is to build on the West Coast and really grow a West Coast footprint, then sure, I agree. That probably is the best fit. But I don't know how important the Portland and Seattle media markets are. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how big those markets are into college sports. I don't know how big those markets are into the Ducks and into the Huskies. Uh, I just don't know. I have a lot of questions about that. Now, if the Big Ten does decide to add more West Coast schools, those are your two options because those are the two schools out there that really, really invest in football at a high level. Now, there's already talk out there from state legislature that Oregon and Washington aren't going anywhere without Oregon State and Washington State. I am sure that would be a non-starter for the Big Ten. There's a lot of moving pieces out there. I don't know what will happen. The ACC is where there are all sorts of questions because they're locked up long-term into an awful TV contract and grant of rights agreement that goes through 2036. So that means in theory, you know, the ACC is locked in until 2036. And if anyone leaves, they don't have the rights to their TV games anymore. The ACC still controls those. 
However, the one question is, if seven or eight ACC schools decide to leave, who's going to be left to sue them? Can they break that grant of rights agreement? I know I'd seen something about it. I can't remember how many schools it takes to break the grant of rights. I bet they could get pretty close. If you've got, like I think Clemson, Florida State, and Miami, that's as natural SEC as you can get. I think the Big Ten should absolutely be pushing for North Carolina. That is a fantastic school, minus the fake classes incident. That is a fantastic school. I think to some degree, academics still matter to the Big Ten. I don't know that I believe that it's as important as it used to be. I just think the entire landscape of academics as a whole has changed. But they're not going to take awful schools by any means. They're going to take some good schools. North Carolina is one of them. They're a massive brand in football. Uh, you'll, you always see them on those sleeping giants lists every summer. Uh, they are always on that because there's plenty of potential there. They have a massive fan base. I think you'll take North Carolina in a heartbeat. Does that require you to take Duke? That could be a deal breaker because... Look, I know Duke basketball is big and great, but if there was something below nothing, that is what Duke would bring you in football. Even when they were good under Cutcliffe, they don't have a big fan base. Good is relative there. Not that it's not at some other Big Ten schools, but we've seen what they've been the last few years. Duke might be a long shot. What about Virginia? Another fantastic school. Good-sized alumni base. Now, football, basketball, how big are they into those? You know, I don't know. Uh, If you're only looking at programs that are going to increase the per-school payout, which at the end of the day, that's what matters the most, there aren't that many options left out there. We'll see what the Big Ten decides to do. I do think we're headed towards it being two Super Leagues, where the Big Ten and the SEC are massive, They are very strong. They are very powerful. And what happens to the other conferences is the real question. Um, In its current form, you know, the ACC would be relevant. It still would be. Clemson, Florida State, Miami, that'll keep it relevant. Uh, The North Carolina schools, the Virginia schools, and especially if you could somehow, some way get Notre Dame in full-time, that would be fantastic. As you look to the Big 12 and the Pac-12, oh boy. You know, I brought this up last year on the show when the Oklahoma and Texas news broke that I feel for the people in Manhattan, Kansas, and in Ames, Iowa, and in Waco, Texas, because their futures are uncertain, and it's uncomfortable, it's disappointing, it's no fun. Now, today... In July of 2022, I feel for the folks in Pullman, Washington. I feel for the folks in Corvallis, Oregon. How about Tucson, Arizona? I feel for them too. Because this is an uncomfortable spot to be in. You've just been abandoned a little bit by the teams that held your conference together. There are some rumors that the Big 12 and Pac-12 are discussing some mergers. Look, I think that's a probably pretty good idea. I think the real question is, how big does it get? Because the Big 12 just signed on more schools. 
Uh, they're coming in 2023. I don't know. Would you? I don't know if you could take all 10 of the remaining Pac-12 schools. I don't know if all 10 of them are a fit, if that would work. You know, I don't know. There are more questions than answers there. But I do not envy anyone that's a fan of a Big 12 or Pac-12 program because this just has to be miserable. I wanted to take a look as well. You know, this is a Purdue-centric show. How does this affect Purdue? Purdue had no choice but to support this because it makes way too much money for the school. It makes way too much money for the conference. It elevates prestige for absolutely everybody. Purdue had no choice but to vote yes on this. Competitively, however, I don't know. This does not help for football by any means. There were already going to be some questions, if you ask me, about long-term how much success could be sustained once the divisions go away. You know, that was going to happen in 2023. It's still probably going to happen. But long-term, once those goes away, once those go away, my goodness, what's realistic? Uh, what's a realistic bar for success? That was going to be a question. Now you add in another program that's one of the all-time elites and another program that's probably spent more time being consistently good than you have in UCLA. And so now you you look at the Big Ten and what it will be in 2024 uh, as of now, presuming that more doesn't change. You know, you have four big-time programs that have won national championships. Penn State, uh, Wisconsin, excuse me, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Southern Cal. And I know there's been other programs that have won national championships. Michigan State, uh, Minnesota has. Uh, I don't remember if UCLA's won one or not, but they've been stronger. Uh, Wisconsin, by all means. Iowa, by all means. So you're dealing with a very, very strong conference here. Uh, that adds to the difficulty of winning football at Purdue. There are plenty of questions, but whatever that level of spending that is the next level to spend, it's probably time for Purdue football to start investing like that to maintain competitiveness as this continues to grow. And every time the league expands, if there's more teams coming, it gets even tougher for Purdue football. Now, I'll acknowledge there are certainly other sports that matter. There are certainly other sports that are impacted by this. They all are. For men's basketball, you know, the only other revenue-generating sport for all of the Big Ten schools, uh, I don't think this really impacts Purdue basketball too positively or negatively. You know, USC and UCLA are good programs. Mick Cronin's a really good coach at UCLA. I have my questions about Andy Enfield at Southern Cal. But the Big Ten kind of cannibalizes each other every year to begin with. I mean, there are plenty of problems with Big Ten basketball and how much they just kind of beat each other up. That's certainly one of them. So I think basketball's in pretty good shape. I think your program stability is a huge positive here because if you fall, if you really fall to the back of the field in the big 10 and either sport, 
football, men's basketball, probably every other sport too. I just can't speak on them as well. If you fall to the back of the field, it's just that much harder to get back to the middle of the pack and to the front. And that's what Purdue football did in the mid-2010s under Daryl Hazel. That is what Purdue football will have to avoid in a new-look Big Ten. That's what I'm not worried about happening to Purdue basketball because they are incredibly stable and incredibly successful uh, and you know, always near the top of the Big Ten currently under Matt Painter. I think you're very lucky to have that stability that you have right now. And hey, on the basketball note, just wait. Purdue-UCLA, the first time that happens, how many times are they bringing up John Wooden having gone to Purdue as a connection? And of course, non-revenue sports, you know. it's This is going to be interesting. All the... You know, all the anecdotes that folks use are, man, you know, this is going to be Rutgers women's soccer flying all the way out to Los Angeles on a Tuesday night for a game and then flying back and going to class the next day. Yeah, that is in theory what would happen here. I don't know if they'll do travel arrangements or not, but this is going to be really interesting because you'll have more money coming in from your conference affiliation check with the TV deal. Is that going to be used by most schools to continue to subsidize the non-revenue sports that run in the red, a complete loss? Or is that money going to be used to bolter your football and men's basketball programs and elevate them on a national level? That's the real question. Uh, I am... I myself am mentally prepared to see these sports turn into uh, club sports and not sanctioned by the athletic department because they just got to, you know, it's going to be a complete bidding war, essentially. Whoever spends the most money is going to win. That's how it is now. That's how it's probably always going to be. So how long these non-revenue sports are subsidized I don't know. Maybe they always will be. You know, there always has to be some on the women's side to counteract men's for Title IX. Title IX's not going anywhere. So how all of this applies moving forward, I don't know. But I do know that this move was certainly done for football and to a infinitely smaller degree men's basketball and for the most part, without the thought of soccer, softball, and golf, shall we say. And look, at the end of the day, you're going to find people who feel any number of ways about this. I think the folks in the national media, like I listened to Colin Cowherd, saw a clip of him on Twitter today, talking about how great this is for college sports. I don't think anyone who truly loves college sports, and we all know Colin Cowherd does not love college sports, I don't think anyone that really lives and breathes this stuff the way college football diehards do and college basketball diehards do, I don't think anyone loves this. The, the sport is inherently regional. I don't know. I don't care what anyone tells you. Oh, it's a national sport these days. Well, 
it, maybe it is now that this is what's going on with the Big Ten going from sea to shining sea and the SEC being in Columbia, Missouri, Gainesville, Florida, and Austin, Texas, and everywhere in between. But this isn't a national sport as a whole, the way the NFL or the NBA or the MLB are. And that's okay. That's what makes college sports awesome. Go down south. Go to a tailgate at the Grove in Oxford. Ask them about the SEC West, and then ask them about the Big Ten West and what they know about each. Go out, even in West Lafayette, go out to Ackerman, to D-Lot on a game day. Ask your average Purdue fan, you know, in October, what they think of the Big 12 race. Look, people are into their leagues more than anything else. And that's okay. People are into their regions. Listen to Feinbaum. Listen to, you know, the Big Ten doesn't have that type of show, but Big Ten fans are passionate about it. That's kind of going away. And that's disappointing. It's not the sport that I fell in love with as a kid, you know, in the mid to late 2000s. If it were up to me, if I had the magic wand, the Big 12 would still have all 12. You'd have those old Big 8 schools, and you'd have the four Texas schools in the North and South Division. We'd still have that. Maryland would still be in the ACC. No offense to them, but they belong there. That's where they fit. The Big East would still exist, and it would still be a football conference because it provides a logical fit for a lot of the schools that are in weird places today. Yes, I'm looking at you, Rutgers. Yes, I'm looking at you, Pitt and Temple and Syracuse and even Louisville in the ACC. That still doesn't feel right. It provides a logical fit for a lot of schools. The Pac-10 would be the Pac-10, not the Pac-12. Although, I don't mind Utah being out there. But if it were up to me, it would still be the Big 12. And that means Colorado is still a part of that 12, not the Pacific 12. So, that's where I stand. I don't love this. Now, I'm not going to stop caring about college sports. I'm not going to stop watching. And that's ultimately the bet here. Is that no matter how much the sport changes that the regionalism goes away, that the sport that so many of us fell in love with looks unrecognizable, that we love it enough that we keep coming back. I think they're probably making the right bet, but you never know. That's not a given. And I think for those of you who are worried about the future, about what happens if there are further changes, it's okay to worry. I think Purdue's in a good spot right now. I mean, clearly, they're going to start getting $100 million a year in TV revenue money from conference affiliation. But, boy, I'm not projecting any too far down the road. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 had long had an agreement with each other. They'd been allies for forever. They didn't need the alliance to show that they were aligned in most things. But now the Big Ten took the Pac-12's top two brands. So how can I sit here today on July 4th, 2022 and say that 10 years from now, when we're all at our hot dog, you know, grilling hot dogs and brats and drinking Miller Lite at the grill, how am I supposed to say that there aren't going to be more radical changes? It's the doomsday scenario that everyone talks about, 
But what if the top 16 or 32 programs decide to split away from the rest of college football? Because right now, Purdue's in a comfortable place. If it's the top 16, they're not going to be there. The top 32, I have my doubts. So it's okay to have uncertainty long-term. I I don't think you need to worry now, but down the road, if you're a little bit skeptical, I'm kind of right there with you. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is a monumental change in college sports. This changes the way we view things. This changes the way the sport operates and the entire competitive balance of this. I still feel for the fan bases in the old Big 12, I guess what will be the old Big 12 schools once Oklahoma and Texas leave because your conference lost out on quite a bit of prestige and there was nothing wrong with the Big 12. Today, I feel bad for the folks in the Pac-12 as well because while I acknowledged at the top there are plenty of problems that have faced the Pac-12 recently, Larry Scott was a horrible commissioner and just put them in a really bad spot. But I feel really bad for the fans in Berkeley. I feel really bad for the folks that are diehard Stanford Cardinal fans. I don't know that there's many of them. Based off the Omaha Jello shot counter, there weren't very many of them. But I feel for all of them because this isn't fun. It's not fun to have one of your great passions in life in peril. And that's how it is for the programs that are in these conferences that are suddenly on the verge of either major change and a drop down in competitiveness or just simply the conference doesn't change much. Everything changes around them and they're just not what they used to be. So it's not fun for really anyone outside of the Big Ten and SEC There will certainly be more where this came from. Again, I don't think the Big Ten is done yet. I don't think the SEC is done yet. And all eyes now are up to the Golden Dome in South Bend and out to the ACC to see what the real deal is with that grant of rights, with that TV contract. How stable is the ACC? That's the question that's going to drive what's next in all of this. We will always be here talking about this stuff. But next week, barring anything unforeseen, we will be here to go through those mailbag questions that you all sent in. And please, if you have more, anything that comes to mind, send it on over. At Boilers Beyond on Twitter, give us a follow. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're available pretty much anywhere. Uh, As always, tweet questions in. Anything you want. I'll talk at anything, but give us a follow, subscribe, any reviews you like, any of that stuff. But until next time, enjoy the summer, folks.